everybody, we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. I have some very exciting announcements. Uh, as you know, uh, I have rescheduled my spring 2020, <laughs> which is in the past, tour, to this fall 2021. Those shows are happening. Uh, it's all on burbigs.com. I'm currently adding shows indoors as well as outdoors uh, for this summer. So if you're in New York City, you could come see me at City Winery. There's, I'm doing four shows there. You could come see me at the Vogel in New Jersey, which is at the Count Basie. Uh, you could see me at the Westport Country Playhouse in Connecticut, which is a gorgeous theater in Connecticut. Um, and, uh, and just basically go over to burbigs.com, sign up for the mailing list. The emails are really like, that's sort of how I let everyone know about everything that's going on. It's the most direct way I'm in touch with you. So sign up there. Uh, and today's guest, I couldn't be more excited about uh, a hilarious, a truly hilarious person, Quinta Brunson. Uh, she is a writer and a creator and an actor, one of the stars of Black Lady Sketch Show, which is a riot. Uh, she's on this season of Big Mouth, which is hilarious. She's very funny. She has a new book called She Memes Well, because she became initially very famous uh, for memes that went viral. She was sort of an internet star uh, who's become a bona fide uh, star in many, many types of media. Uh, and I have a great chat with her today. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Quinta Brunson. Quinta, hello. Hi, Mike. <laughs> it's uh, so I'm reading your book. I'm loving it. She means well. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is I one of the, my favorite things about the book is that you lead with in one of the first chapters with saying like it's scary to write a book, which is I feel like the subtext of all of us when we write autobiographical work is it is scary. It's scary. It's scary. I wasn't fully prepared um, to to even jump into the venture. Like the idea, you know, was brought to me. So it wasn't like I was even an author that was like, I want to write a book one day. Um, you know, the idea was presented to me, which I think, you know, made it scarier. I just yeah. thought, ah, I don't know if I have anything to say or if anyone, if my life is worth writing down at this point. And that made it really scary. Yeah. And I and I think it is. I mean, I'm, I, I just got it yesterday. So I'm, but I'm having a great time with the book and it's oh, so, that's awesome. yeah, it's so funny. And it's so, I mean, I love that you call out the fear of it. Like that's yeah. part of the charm of it is that you're just, you just say how your experience of writing a book. Yeah. It's funny too, because, you know, my editor, she was like, that's something we have to be careful with because, you know, with the book, you're inviting a reader, yeah. um, you know, into your life and you don't want them to maybe know how fearful or how much sometimes you just straight up hated doing it yeah. because you want them to feel like a comforted reader and that you wanted to do this thing. So I had to calibrate, but I also wanted to be honest yeah. Um, you know, I, I totally. had a hard time writing the intro without being honest about what the experience really was like. Well, I think that you do that. You pull that off with the final, <laughs> the final sentence of that section is the sun is shining through my living room window because here in LA, the sun is always doing shit like shining through windows. <laughs> my jaw hurts for no specific reason and I can't <laughs> wait to play Mario Party. But first this, let's get into it. <laughs> You're inviting them. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Oh my God, Mike, that that's cool. I have never, wow, I've never heard the words I wrote read out loud. That's so crazy. I loved it. Cool. I love that experience. It's very inviting, and it's like, yeah. like when you're saying you're afraid, you were afraid to write the book. Is there a specific story where you were like, oh my gosh, should I tell this story? Yeah, um, a lot of my past 
like my religious past is what I was afraid to write about the most. Yeah. I think um, my family uh, is Jehovah's Witnesses, and it's a pretty controversial, small sect sure. of Christianity. But, you know, I can't tell my stories. I can't write these essays without elaborating on that a little bit because it's who, it, it, it made me who I am. Yeah. And so that was the most intimidating part. I was afraid to be that vulnerable with people. And um, I mean, you know this because you're a stand-up. When you're doing stand-up, you're, you're in control of how you, you know, give your information to people and you've shortened it to a punchline. Uh But with the book, it's asking you to take that punchline and turn it into a paragraph and then turn that paragraph into a chapter. Yeah. I realized I don't talk about a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a book. You got to talk about something. Uh, Or I would talk about things away, you know, an an issue I had while writing the book was writing about my experiences away from me, almost as a person who had witnessed the experiences instead of the person going through them. Yeah. But I think those are, um, that's kind of like our coping mechanisms to get through life. Like not even the traumatic stuff, some of the fun stuff too. I was experiencing it um, as someone else just, you know, You got it, right? Yeah. Yeah. To get through it, you got to like think about yourself. Sometimes I think about my own writing as like, yeah, you're you're documenting sort of the life of you, mm-hmm. and you're. I look. I use my calendar, my photos, all of mm-hmm. my old notebooks, and just go. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's when I went to my niece's christening. That was the yeah. same year that I met my wife. You know, like, and yeah. you start to make these connections that you don't even really know about at the time. Yeah, absolutely, it, absolutely. It's so funny because <laughs> your name is Quinta, uh, which in Spanish means five, and you make you mm-hmm. make the joke in the in the book that. Uh, <laughs> Your parents were like, this is our Quinta child, and we are tired. And we are tired. Like, (laughs) my siblings have such well, beautiful, thought-out names. Like, you know, Prince of Faith and uh, Daughter of of Ambition. And and then it was just like five. Yeah, yeah. They didn't try. But I like it. I like, like being named just a number. I don't feel like I have much pressure from my name. That our daughter is Una, which means one, yes. as in we're only having one. Wait, I didn't know that's what that meant. I, yeah, it's part of it. Una, lamb, and one, and yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, good for her. She's gonna feel a very free life because of that. How come? You, when your name doesn't mean anything but a number, if you like have nothing to live up to. Right, right, right. You don't have to be a queen or a king or, yeah, 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 something big. (laughs) Right. Right. You just get to be. It's really nice. You you made a remarkable impression on me because we met at our our mutual friend Kevin Barnett's memorial uh, service uh, in Los Angeles. That was a show where you and I were both performing something about Mm -hmm. our friend Kevin, who's so... Mm -hmm sadly passed away. He was like one of the funniest people I've ever met in mm-hmm. my life, one of the sweetest people I've met. Mm-hmm. But your your speech about him was so funny. <laughs> but that was and it but that and, and you you and I didn't know each other before that. Mm-mm. But to me, yeah. that was something where I thought, I really like this person. Because oh. <laughs> we're all sad, mm-hmm. but you were able to make something comedic out of that you were you were killing with the audience the audience was loving mm-hmm. it and it was cathartic for all of us to hear that mm-hmm. yeah that was um such a I, I I remember meeting you I remember that night so vividly um so so vividly like so many details of that m- memorial and stuff and um including meeting you but just see it was the first time I'd seen a lot of a lot of friends in a long time too like yes um, people who I just hadn't seen in a while because everyone is working. And, um, yeah, and I I was nervous at the idea of going up there and performing, you know, for a memorial. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think I was really thinking about it. I was like, if this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing. And I also yeah. think that Kevin would really love this. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then what was interesting about Kevin is, he and I personally didn't have many stories, but the stories that we had were so 
fun in some of my best times in LA. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it like having a barbecue at Jermaine's house and like, you know, meeting him there. And then um, that I think I told the Halloween night story. What was that story? It was when we um, we went, we, J- Jermaine Fowler had a Halloween party and I was dressed like Missy from Big Mouth. And Kevin was just dressed like, he dressed like some anime character, but <laughs> it made him look like a black auntie. Like, a, like a, <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. He had this wig on. I don't know who the character was, but wh- whoever it was, it just made him look like Holly Berry. It was so... <laughs> And I think I told the story about how we went to a, I think Eric Andre dragged us to this Hollywood Bowl party, or not Hollywood Bowl, so it's a place in uh, Studio City, Sportsman's Lodge, Sportsman's Lodge. Okay, okay. It was there, and it was a big Halloween party, but it was also Maroon 5's Super Bowl warm-up event. Okay. So they were warming up for their Super Bowl before. So it was a crazy party. Like, the kind of parties you see in movies that, right. that people are like, this is what Hollywood is like. The Super it, Bowl warm-up. Jesus. It was insane. And um, everyone at this party was having hot Halloween. So these people were hotly yeah, dressed. Yeah, dressing you know? up. Look, trying to look their best. Hot. Or, or just not dressed at all and just, like, oh, fancy. Wow. And meanwhile, we walk in looking like idiots. I'm dressed like a cartoon. <laughs> Kevin's dressed like a cartoon. Eric Andre's dressed like trippy red. I forget what my friend Jack was dressed like an old man. We just looked so stupid. We we just walked in looking like a band of idiots amongst all these very hot people. And we just embraced it. And um, Kevin and I had probably one of the best talks I had ever had about the industry and about kind of feeling like, you know, feeling happy with what we do, but feeling like comedians and people who who are comedic or like love comedy are at the bottom of the scale of 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 Hollywood. And yeah. that we were okay with it and that it's important to like find your people. And we felt like that night we yeah. had found our people. Like we were Aww. with our people. And then we went out on the dance floor and danced like idiots, like not hot dancing. Like we were yeah. all dancing like these people wanted to kick us out of the club because we weren't... Um, like goofballs. <laughs> yeah, like being really dumb. It felt like we were all kids. And yeah. that's what was like really, 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 really nice Like a nice seventh grade dance it. or something. Yeah, and then Kevin, even though he was dressed like a woman, the security almost still didn't let him in because he was still a tall black man. And they were, I was like... <laughs> was like, come on, he's dressed like a woman, let him in. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Quinta Brunson to send a shout out to Magic Spoon. Oh man, I love Magic Spoon. I have, it's well documented. I love pizza. That's <laughs> well documented. I love sh- I love sugar. I love I love fries. I love macaroni and cheese. Uh, I also love cereal. I've always been a big sugar cereal person. I can't really eat sugar cereal as an adult, uh, which is why Magic Spoon is great for me. It's got zero grams of sugar. It's got thirteen or fourteen grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only one hundred and forty calories. It's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, soy free, low carb, and GMO free. You can build your own box. They have flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted—that's my favorite—peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. Just go to magicspoon.com/slash/forbigs and get your own custom bundle. Make sure you use code BURBIGS at checkout. Go to magicspoon.com slash BURBIGS and use code BURBIGS to save $5 off. And now back to the show. Legitimately, you're a great dancer. I mean, that that should not be. And you dance in Black Lady Sketch Show and you dance in some of, like, the videos that you've made over the years that have gone viral. But, like... You dance in Black... Black Lady Sketch Show is hilarious. And you... And now is in its second season. People yes. can watch it on HBO Yes, Max, go I watch. HBO yes, Go. Yes, HBO, HBO Max. It's airing now as we're doing... You know, like... Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, people should and go it's, watch. And it's hilarious and particularly funny for me was when you did that um, proposal musical yeah. number. So mm-hmm. it's like a guy, Jermaine, it's actually Jermaine Fowler. We were just it's talking Jermaine, about. yeah, it's Jermaine. <laughs> it's Jermaine Fowler proposing and then he's attempting to make his proposal go viral. And yes. so it's like this huge musical number on like a back lot and you dance, the cl- the end of the sketch, I don't want to give it away, but like the end of the sketch is just you literally dancing alone. Yeah. And like you're <laughs> legit a good dancer. I mean, you talk about it in the book, but it's like yes. you, like one of your first like loves was like ballet classes and mm-hmm. gymnastics classes. And like that yeah. was where you were, you had this sense of like, you know, I'm going to entertain people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. My my mom was a dancer. She was a professional dancer and and she, you know, dance came into my life early and stuff. And um, yeah. I was going to be a professional dancer until like college and hate to sound so corny, but like improv kind of stole my heart and I just like Aww. slowly veered away from dancing. Because at a certain point, if you're going to be a professional dancer, like you have to you have to commit. You have to yeah. commit to the lifestyle. You have to, like, commit to the practices and, like, being poor. And that just was not... I didn't want to be that kind of poor. I wanted to be improv kind of poor, which I thought was more yeah. fun. Um, but, yeah. Why do you think improv poor is more fun than, than dancing poor? To me... Um, I got to be expressive and silly with the with comedy um in a way that I wasn't yeah. in in dance and my dance world and my dance the people I dance with it was it was all you know I mean it was always so fun and I got to be the kind of funny friend funny one clown whatever you want to say but when I got to people who were more involved in like you know comedy and improv. It was like, oh, I'm not the odd man out anymore. I'm like working, collaborating with people who have the same ways of expression that I do. And yeah, so I slowly just like veered away from it. I was still taking dance classes here and there, but you know. You know what you said when we met? Do you remember what you said to me? It made me laugh and it stuck with me. What? You go, you're Mike Birbiglia. You're you're an original gangster. (laughs) You go, you're an OG. <laughs> and I go, but that means like I'm old. And you're like, yeah, but that's what you're, to my generation, that's what you are. I was like, oh, great. It's true. Right. Good job, Pasquinta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. That's how I felt. That's how I feel. I would have said that now if I would have met you. So checks out. <laughs> I thought that was a riot. But it also fits with what the show that I'm developing, which is called The Old Man in the Pool, where I'm like, I'm hitting, you know, middle age. I'm 42 and like I'm yeah. coming to grips with this idea that like I'm over the hill, you know, that term, the phrase is over the hill and mm-hmm. you get on the hill and you look around and you go, oh, there's natural causes, you know. <laughs> they're not close, but they're coming. Oh, there's natural causes. Oh, no. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. Uh, so you're developing that show now. Yeah. can't. I super can't wait for that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I'm excited. It's uh, you know, it's funny. It's like I was thinking about. So you you exploded partly because of the internet and memes. You know, you're you, you know, you yeah. reference uh, these viral videos and memes. I feel like th- I'm gonna guess the bane of your existence in your in show business <laughs> is um. People who are like like my age and older, and like studio executives being like, um, explain the internet to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It doesn't happen as often as you think. Sometimes I wish that there they would ask for an explanation. Oh, interesting. Instead, they'll do us assumption, you know, thinking that, you know, a lot of the internet or what I had done on the internet was like happenstance and, and <laughs> right. like, you know. That, that I think is the big misunderstanding of the whole thing. Yeah. Is when yeah. people look at like uh, like a like a TikTok star or, or Instagram star or Twitter or YouTube uh, like viral video star and just go like, 
oh, that was sort of a fluke. And it's like, no, no, it's actually like there they you know, you were honing your art form, but sort mm-hmm. of in public. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, for for every person like me, sure, there are a bunch of flukes, but there are also people who you know, the way I would like it to be looked at, not just for my sake, but for the sake of other creators who are going to use the internet, I just want it to be looked at as another stage for people. You know, yeah. there are people who, you know, st- stand-ups who are doing open mics and, you know, whatever, and, and improvisers who are doing whatever random stage or whatever. Um, a lot of these people are honing their craft and getting direct feedback from audiences online. And, that's just what it is. It doesn't yeah. make them internet comedians per se because that's right. I don't I just think that's not it shouldn't be a thing anymore because you if you can showcase your skill, your craft on this big worldwide stage, like why wouldn't you? And especially for the younger kids starting out, why would they completely just ignore this huge thing here for them to learn how to get better, learn how to be good in front of audiences and everything. So the other thing that you point out in the book is that like the internet is this amazing democratizing entertainment space for marginalized groups yeah. that mm-hmm. didn't exist before. Mhm. It 100% is. I mean, I don't know if I would have, you know, been here talking to you right now if it weren't for having like the outlets that I had. And because especially for like a a younger black girl, even the boom of like, you know, I think black women in comedy, you can attribute a lot of that to the Internet. Like, I mean, Issa came from YouTube, you know, I mean, she did. Her show was a a web show. Me, um, even, you know, Phoebe Robinson and Jessica, that was a podcast that it's just like. It's ways for people. Two Dope Queens to was get, a podcast that blew yeah, up. Yeah, it was then a it podcast. became an HBO series. Yeah, exactly. It's just ways for people to get stage time, so to speak. That yeah. you know maybe wouldn't have gotten it before, um, and would have been stuck in the auditioning hole of of really just auditioning and waiting for something to happen. Stepping away from my conversation with Quinta to send a shout out to Bombas. Bombas Socks. That's a company I love. I love them uh, for a few reasons. One is uh, for every pair of socks that you purchase from Bombas, this is what got me interested in them in the first place, is uh, they they give uh, a pair to a homeless shelter for free. They donate. They've given away millions and millions of pairs of socks. In terms of the socks themselves, they're my favorite socks I've ever had. Lots of things make your workouts, your athletic workouts hard, extra resistance, double speed, one more mile. But your socks shouldn't, which is why Bomba's performance socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive, and they really are. You can go to bombas.com slash today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com. Slash Burbigs for 20% off. Bombas.com slash Burbigs. And now, back to the show. So this is a thing we do called the slow round, which is basically sort of based on memories and things you might remember from childhood. Do you have a memory from childhood that sort of runs on a loop in your head, but it's not even a story. It's just sort of like a thing that comes to you. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. There was a time that I almost drowned in Florida and my brother saved me, but it's not as, it is dramatic because I did almost drown, Wow! but the way it happened was not, um, my brother like saved me literally because it's like, oh, you're always doing something like stop drowning. (laughs) That was kind Stop of my brother's He was annoyed at you for drowning. He was annoyed at me for drowning, that he had to save me. And we didn't tell my my parents. I don't even think I understood what was happening because I was very young. I was six. So it's one of my earliest memories. But I went too far into the beach and I got knocked over by a huge wave. Wow. And I couldn't find my way up or down. I really couldn't. And oh I was. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. It's, it, it is, but you're also like six. So you're not. 
I'm not sure if my comprehension of death was there yet to understand what was about to happen. I mean, like, was someone watching you in the I ocean? I think we had, my parents had five kids. That We were on a vacation with uh, two, two other families who also had five kids. Okay. So altogether, 15 kids or, no you know, way. whatever. And ultimately, yeah, my parents are watching me, but you can, like— when you have five kids and, and you know. <laughs> yeah. Some of the kids have to watch the other kids. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. and then then you had me who was pretty, you know, rambunctious apparently and got lost a lot and wandered away a lot. And yeah. so um, I think I just went on my own way and I'm pretty sure someone told me, wait, stop, no, don't go. And then something else happened and my dad had to run and get, you know, I don't know, who knows. But I remember just be tumbling in the water and then being like, oh, no, this is bad. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, cannot find up or down, but not understanding that, like, in two minutes, like, death could have, like, oh if I didn't gosh. find my way up or down. And then I just felt gripped up. And I didn't, I couldn't even see who gripped me up because, you know, well, that's how bad it was until I got pulled out of the water. Wow. <laughs> and then there was my brother, but I'm still I'm coughing up water and stuff. My brother had picked me up and pretty much just like throws me on the sand. Wow. And he was like, don't go far in the water. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> he ran back with his friends because, you know, he's with his friends and they right. like the little girls from the other families. That was his focus. <laughs> it wasn't me. So I just like got up and kind of retired from the ocean for the day and yeah. went over to it was very like oh, his that main was priority was the girls he had a crush on but he also wants to save his sister's life yes and he did it was like stop fucking drowning like it's not cool I mean I have stuff to do <laughs> So I went over and like I sat with my mom and dad and they didn't know what had happened and I wasn't going to tell them. Um, and I also didn't want to make my brother look good because we had a very weird sibling. I came eight years later. He was so mad. I was there. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just sat and like built sandcastles with my mom and dad. Never told them that I almost drowned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, you and I have that in common because I was youngest of four. You were youngest of five. Yeah. And for sure, I'm a comedian because I was youngest in a big family. I talked about this with uh, Nick, Nick Kroll before. He's the youngest in his family. And it's something, something happens. What is that? Why is this the case? I well, I mean, I don't know the full psychology that someone might have written a book about. <laughs> I'm sure they probably have. Yeah. But uh, but I with me, it was that it didn't seem like anyone was barely paying attention to me at all. Mm-hmm. Like it was mm. like I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like I would be. <laughs> my mom would be picking me up from nursery school at the Y and it would be like two hours later and I'd be the only person standing outside waiting and be like, mom, Aww. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, think, I think my parents literally forgot that I, they had me at certain points in my childhood. And so I yeah. had to be loud and sort of be, uh, not, not just loud, but actually like funny and entertaining yeah, yeah, yeah. and sort of like yeah. get people's attention. And yeah, I talk about that in the book. It one thing that I, you know, coming so late, you know, eight years after my closest sibling and then all of the, they're kind of spread out. My oldest sibling is 21 years away from me. And so they, I was watching what they were watching and yeah. learning what was cool yeah. from them. That's huge. And huge. And so if I'm watching their comedies and everything, which was everything from, you know, Martin to Fresh Prince to yeah. Conan. My sister was such a huge Conan fan. Um, and and then Friends and all, all. So I'm like taking in like, okay, this is how you like, all right, they I can do that. I can, yeah. I can be, I can be funny or whatever. And I did. I started imitating the people on TV and my fam my brothers Same. and sisters loved it. It was like, look what my sister can do. Like Same. she can do excellent. And so absolutely it became like, okay, this is how I have value in this family besides being the annoying, um, you know, one who came late. Who's the person who, in your life or your family who, like, makes you laugh the hardest? My sister, Gia. She is so funny. Um, she's so funny, and she doesn't even know it, and she won't ever show it. She will mm. not ever. She it's has like no. Private. It's like a private joke thing. 
It, yeah, and and funny to the people around her, but she would never be us. She would never get on a stage. She would never get on a television. She would never even begin to uh, think about performing for people. But she is hands down one of the funniest. She just her. She's so dry. She just says things that people work their hardest to write jokes. You yeah. know what I mean about yeah. like it just flows out of her. Um, She's hilarious. She absolutely kills me every time we're on the phone. What was the time that you remember laughing the hardest with your sister? She's just so, she's just so blunt. Uh, Like she'll talk about people. When I laugh the hardest is when she talks about people and everything that we're not supposed to say. Yeah, yeah, sure. She says it. She's just a hairdresser in Philly. And not just a hairdresser, but I'm saying like, you know, she is not out here thinking about how to be the most PC sure. or how to be. She's There's no not, censors. There's none. no studio notes. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, sure. And I don't I don't know if I'm laughing at her delivery or just laughing at the fact that she doesn't have the same censors we do. Yeah, and yeah. so I can't even repeat the things that she says that makes me left yes, yes. and I'll tell her like Gia you, you can't say that and she's like <laughs> she'll just look at me like says who and I'm and she's dead serious like she's dead serious like who says says who who says I can't say that and I'm like okay you're right I did you know I guess me if I'm the only person in your life telling you can't say that then um I guess just me uh but she just doesn't care and it's something that I find refreshing. It's something I know I can't do, you know, and I know we should be better, <laughs> all of us, but I find it refreshing that my sister's kind of like, who's going to check me? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and she's also a Philadelphian. So it's like, if someone really wants to get mad, they could just, they could fight me, you know, like that is her. <laughs> right. Like, so. <laughs> right. If they really, right. If they really want to disagree with me, then we could, uh, we could fight physically. We could fight, yeah. And it very matter of fact, it's something. It's something I used to have in me that I've since like suppressed because you can't really have that in this work, our industry. But it's very much how a lot of Philadelphians carry themselves, and I appreciate it. Did you yeah. growing up? Did you ever feel like there was like a group that wouldn't let you in that you wanted to desperately be in? You know what? No, um, I pretty much really was a you know, a social butterfly and like, like a nexus being of friend groups. I could be friends with anyone and was a part of all the groups that I wanted to be part of. I was part of the groups no one wanted to be part of, like, because I just really liked people. Oh, that's so <laughs> Different fascinating. Well, yeah. You're, it's like you're a natural extrovert. Yeah, for sure. For that's sure. Interesting. Yeah. I, I developed this joke recently that was um, my... My wife is an introvert and I'm an extrovert. An extrovert is someone who gets energy from being around other people and an introvert mm-hmm. doesn't like you. <laughs> or, or she might like you, but she's going to need me to explain why we're leaving the party. Right. right. I, I'm definitely extroverted and my fiance, I don't know if I can call him an introvert, but He's 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 not like me. Like I yeah, I, like you, I love you, you, that's the interplay of the relationship. Yeah, I love to be out and about and like meeting new people and and he, no new friends is his the way he lives his life. Like <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> no new friends is his policy. It's and he sticks to it and it works for him and sometimes yeah. it works for us. Like you know what I mean? Like sometimes I meet new people to, but but I'm. I'm still, I kind of have the same philosophy, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm always open to meet a new great friend, I guess. But he's like, no. That's so fascinating. Cause it's like, I also find like, how do you keep, how in the modern age do we even keep track of making new friends and keeping in touch with people over text, over email, over DMs, all this stuff? It's like, how do you even keep track of that? That is unique, and it's changing the word friend to me. It is changing the word friend. Yeah. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone who I've been friends with since college, one of my best friends, but we don't talk out every day anymore. Um, We'll try to, but my schedule is busy, and she's a teacher, so her schedule is busy. And so 
we yeah. we might go full months without talking or we'll only talk on Instagram. Like and that's become like yeah. our main way of communication. And I'm not against yeah. that. I'm like if that's how we you know, can stay in touch then then so be it. It's almost like we should have uh, like a renewal of friend vows at some point and mm-hmm. we like fill out a form and we say how close of friends and what kind of communication we want to have with the, that <laughs> right. friend for the next five years. And then Update they the fill standards. out the same form and then we yeah. read each other's forms and we go, okay, we're going to talk once a year at Christmas. That's our deal. And mm-hmm. then that's it. And those are the standards, and we we adhere to the standards, and we are friends still. Yeah, we are friends. Yeah, that would that. be nice. I've been going through it with some friends. Some friends, not so much. They get it, but some friends are like, we don't, we never talk. Or or, or when you're in New York, we, I didn't see see. It's like yeah, because I was working. I like New York is where it's just like little things, where you know takes more work, communication, maybe a contract like the one you're speaking about signed in blood so that people know that you're still friends. Whoa, easy. You're well, making this so extreme. I mean, it gets no, really deep sometimes. I'm like, it's blood, God. snot, and hair. Yeah, and hair. I still love you, I promise. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Quinta Brunson to send a shout out to all form sofas. So if you listen to the show, which you do, you know, you're listening to it right now. Um, you know that I love Helix mattresses. I talk about them all the time. It's my favorite mattress. Well, Helix has left the bedroom. They started making sofas. Uh, I love sofas. <laughs> if you saw the new one, you know, I'm pretty obsessed with couches and sofas and all that stuff. Uh, what makes all form sofas really cool Super comfortable. Also, you can customize them. You can pick your fabric. You can get scratch resistant, stain resistant, uh, color the legs, the color of the sofa, the sofa size, the shape, all that stuff. Uh, I'm actually working on building my whole office into sort of a recording space for this podcast right now. And we're decorating with all form couches and chairs. To find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash for bigs. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash Burbigs. And now, back to the show. This is a a joke that I I just wrote recently, and I feel like you just got engaged, and so this Mm -hmm. is sort of uh, in your universe right now, but I... I feel like there's only one person on earth who understands me and on a regular basis she's like what are you doing? <laughs> like the person sure. who understands me on earth regularly watches me do an activity, starts laughing, I ask why she's laughing, she says no reason and that's the <laughs> end of the interaction. <laughs> I love that because My thing with my fiancé, who I understand the most and understands me the most, the thing we say the most to each other is you are a literal crazy person. You are an actual crazy person. Like, why are you so crazy? And why did I sign up for this? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a riot. Yeah. You are so crazy. Why did I sign up for this? Why did I sign up? That's a marriage right there. Yeah, like crazy person does the craziest things. I'm like, why? How? Why are you like this? But I know why. I know his parents in his life. I know why. <laughs> the other joke I wrote about marriage recently, and I don't even know if it'll end up being about marriage, but I thought it was sort of a funny like turn, which is um, is like marriage is a little bit like prison, but not like a bad prison, like a Scandinavian prison <laughs> where it's on an island and you can learn a skill and it seems like you can leave, but you can't. You can't. You could, but someone's <laughs> going to come after you. <laughs> a comic, yeah, exactly. A comic friend of mine th- goes, and then every once in a while you're like, I wonder what the other prisons are like. <laughs> I used to say for me that getting the idea of getting married was like was like skiing for me. Like, yeah, I'd do it. Like, I don't need, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> 
if I happen to be at a ski resort and, you know, someone happens to be like, hey, here's some free skis. Yeah, I'll do it. It's funny because you show a meme in your book that was like the first meme that you got famous for, which mm-hmm. is you go, ooh, he's got money. And it's like mm-hmm. you're making like a goofy face. Yeah. <laughs> and so I want, do people ask you like, does he have money? Oh my God, yeah. That's the one thing that'll never go away. And it's okay. It's like, it's a part of, you know, part of who I am. But yeah, um, I used to say it was embarrassing because before, even before, I, you know, uh, my fiance, I would go on dates and stuff and just random girls would come up to the table like, oh, girl, he got money. And it'd be like, no, actually, he doesn't. This is embarrassing for everybody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yep. Embarrassing oh all the gosh. way around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor guys. <laughs> this Actually, this is another marriage one. I could pair this with the other marriage one. But it's like I wrote down marriage is like a thriller with no plot points. Like, it's very dramatic. There's a lot of tension. Nothing exciting ever occurs, and it could end at any moment. And you'd be like, that movie was so short. And your wife would be like, I thought it was long. (laughs) That's good. I like that one. That's fun. Not only no plot points, but no... um scenes like inciting events because because it's all passive arguments you know like it's just like, right, never right, actually, right 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 like, but it's a lot of talk it's a lot of talking it's, it's like, a lot of lateral yeah. movement in the plot right never goes there because then that'd be the end of the movie but we got to keep this long short movie going did <laughs> the, the, the beginning and end of the movie are just a guy going who put this spoon right here <laughs> about to say this is not I was just about to say this is not where the cups go I was just (laughs) about to say (laughs) this is not where the cups go this is not where this like how many times (laughs) (laughs) that is good um I have a bit that I've been working on for a long time I actually started doing it on stage before like the pandemic hit but it's about how my belly button ring whole closing really means the end of of youth for me like oh so i've been trying to keep it open which is disgusting wait <laughs> so can you explain that to me so you had a belly yeah. button ring but you let it go i had a belly button ring i took it out when yeah. i was like i had i got it when i was really really young yeah um i don't even know how young I, I definitely like snuck and got it i think in high school so maybe when i was like 16 and uh and then I probably took it out around like 23 and, or, yeah. you know, and stopped. And it was just dumb, you know, it was just like dumb. So I took it out. But then every once in a while, I would go and make sure it was like still open, like just to see. It's just yeah. like, a, you know. And then I stopped doing that. It was funny. Around the time I got with my fiance now, I stopped checking on it. Yeah. So recently I just got curious and was like, oh my goodness, I wonder if my belly would. And it like was not. It was like right. It was just about to close, oh. and I freaked the fuck out. I was like, "No, no, oh my I, gosh. how could I wow. have been?" And, and it felt like I had this weird um, realization, like, "Oh my god!" Like I am. This was this was a symbolism of my 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 hodum, my youth being being being. Free and sexually yeah. active, and yeah. And now I'm with this man that I love, and I've settled down. And now my belly button hole is closing, and if it closes completely, I'm gonna be like a dried up old woman. So oh my I started like poking stuff in there, trying to get it to reopen again. Oh my gosh! And like, and I tried to get it to reopen, and then it got infected, of course. Oh and my like, gosh! No, that's what happens when you try to go, you know, backwards when you try oh to go gosh, like reverse yes. time. Of course. So it's it's been a thing I've been working on of how that's a metaphor for my um for me for my youth and like when I finally like embrace com- completely embrace growing old it will then close up and then turn into and out of it is going to pop a bunch of coupons for Save a Lot in Costco. That's hilarious. And, yeah. Maybe more <laughs> that's <visual>. hilarious endings. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually makes me think like like it, it, one way to put it is like you know my belly button uh closing my sorry my belly button uh hole closing ring, ring, yeah. was my receding hairline yeah 
Yeah, that's what it feels like. It was but my like, going gray. And yeah. I had to make a decision. Am I going to yeah. let it happen or am right. I going to postpone it? Right. Like of what type of person you're going to be, how you're going to fight this fight. Are you going to yeah. fight? Are you going to cling on to youth? Uh, some letting it close, sad. Yeah. But, you know. I um I wrote this bit about my cat because I know you have a cat now too. I do. Mm-hmm. But I, I wrote, uh, no matter how much I feed my cat Mazzy, she wants more food. And when I'm opening the can of food to to like put it in her wet food and to put it into her dish, she she whacks the can with her head. Blocking mm-hmm. me from opening the can of food because that's how excited she is. And if I'm Aww. being honest, that's the moment when I relate most to my cat. <laughs> that's good. That's relatable. My cat does the same thing. Uh, he gets so excited, I can't even get to the to the food. It's mad. Have to pick him up and fling him away from the food. <laughs> it's he just. Turns into such a little space. Fling him away from the food. I do. I have to fully throw him across the room because I can't even get to the food. He gets so excited, and yeah. he and it's it, he just ate. It's not like he never ate before. Um, I feel like that's also ripe for comedy, which is um, how much and we and mind you, I'm someone who love cat, loves cats, and I'm sure you love yeah. your cat. I love my cat. The amount of physical agility we believe our cats have. Yeah. Is um it's really tempting fate. It's it is. It is. Like I know I do some stuff with him sometimes that like could be but you know I've seen him do crazy ass shit. I was on the second floor of a building and my apartment had two stories. And he jumped off of that and scared no. himself at the bottom. Yeah, he didn't realize he like he didn't he he didn't get it. He was like young and he just didn't right. realize he was jumping off of a balcony. And landed right. on his feet. So he can take a lot. And, you know, sometimes I just have to... Yes. He's, he's Cats are fucking crazy. Like, sometimes you just have yeah. to pick them up and fling them places because they're spazzes. I don't know. They're not like... Yes. Do, they're not like dogs. I don't know. And then also they have their claws and they're they're really vicious beasts who, who could just <laughs> yes. decide to take you out at any given moment. So sometimes he just has to get flung. I know he'll be fine. Sometimes you got to get, no, no, I know. Sometimes your cat has to get flung and it's a loving fling. It's a loving fling. I would never, ever, ever hurt him, but he he just is in a nutcase. No, <laughs> and also the, the odd twist of cats, of course, is that we know that if we died, they would uh, eat our bodies. I know. So it's, you know, <laughs> who's, what's a fling going to hurt? He'll, he'll, he'll get his revenge. So w- the way that we end the show is we do working it out for a cause where it, you choose a nonprofit that you think is doing a good job and then I contribute oh, awesome. to them and then I put a link to them in the show notes. I love that. So I would like to, the cause is Mutual Aid Philly, which is a mutual aid in the name um, project in Philadelphia where you donate to this um mutual aid fund, and they are able to distribute whatever it is that people may need in the city. So people can come to them for money and say, I need money for medicine, you know? Mm-hmm. And and what they do is just give people money for that kind of no questions asked. That's fantastic. And, um, yeah. And they, they have a spreadsheet on their website where you can see where their money goes and how, so that you can always see what they're doing. They're extremely transparent. Um, Philadelphia could use so much help right now in yeah, so many absolutely. different ways. So that's my hometown, but that's ultimately awesome. just helping out the people there who who need things. You know, people are still coming back from the effects of the pandemic. Yeah, course, you know, yeah. and um, it's going through a lot. The city now, gun violence crisis, still COVID crisis, all of that. So help yeah. is needed. Well, and it's Philadelphia is also where I'm going to see your sister this fall. That's right. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Wait, where, do you know where you're performing? At the Miriam Theater. At the Miriam Theater. Yeah. Oh, it's so nice so, to even hear those hear those words. Like that's amazing. I love oh. that. That's exciting. It's the, it's when the when again? 
I think it's an, I want to say it's in October or November, but it's, uh, okay. yeah, it's, it's on burbigs.com. And, and uh, yeah, I put me in touch with your sister and I want to hear all the things that you could never say on stage, but that she can tell me. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yikes. <laughs> Are you sure? Are and you I'm sure? Gonna, uh, I couldn't recommend more your book, She Memes Well. Uh, as well as Black Lady Sketch Show and Big Mouth. I mean, all you're doing so much stuff right now, and I love it all, and I love the chance to just talk to you for a while. Thank it's a you. blast. Thank you, Mike. Me too. I love this. It was nice to talk to you more than just at our friend's memorial. This yeah. is this is nice. <laughs> but I'm happy we met there. <laughs> this is the beginning of a friend contract where I'm uh, going to yes, send yes, you yes. a contract. We're okay. going to say, like, eh, let's start off maybe a couple times a year. We'll touch base. Right. Exactly. A couple times a year, um, just just unrelated to any any disasters or anything bad. Yes. Just checking in, you know? Yeah. I like that. Working it out, because it's not done. Working it out, because there's no one. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Quinta Brunson, I think, is uh, she's just phenomenal. I think she's so funny. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at Quinta B. Um, and then pick up her book. She memes well. Get that at your local bookstore. Uh, while you're at it, you can pick up the uh, the new one for Father's Day. Because that's, that's around the corner. Um, thanks for listening to Working It Out. If you enjoyed the show, give it some stars and some ratings and, and all that kind of stuff. So spread the word. Our producers are myself, along with Peter Salomon and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Associate producer Mabel Lewis. Special thanks to my consigliere, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks, as always, to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Check out their new music, which is so good. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. And as always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created this radio fort. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time.